0: You are listening to the official Axe 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.Acts2Orlando.com. Awesome. Hey, doesn't Jay look good with that sweater? <laughs> that scarf, whatever that thing is. See, this is why I don't do things like that. I don't make fashion statements. I'm a fashion risk. That's why I wear things like blue shoes. I just want to be like so far out that it's like people are going, yeah, he's not even trying. So turn to your neighbor, say Merry Christmas. Or if you're from the South, Merry Christmas. Yeah, a bunch of beautiful people. Look at you. You look awesome. You guys excited? Yeah, Mindy, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Love you. Mean it. Oh, gosh. Yay. Well, we get to talk a little bit more out of the Christmas story this morning, and uh, we'll cap it off on Christmas Eve. Um, So two weeks ago, how many were here two weeks ago when we were talking about Zacharias? Yep. Um, This is kind of the B section to that. We're going to move from someone who had no hope, who heard the word of the Lord coming from Gabriel the angel and said, prove it, and what that meant for him and the consequences of it. Now we're going to look at, take a look at uh, Mary when the same angel, Gabriel, comes to her. But I don't know about you, but we get into this season, this Christmas season, and I know we get busy, we have family, we're traveling and stuff, but just to take a few minutes to ponder and to think that the greatest mystery of all was God becoming man. I mean, that boggles your mind, to think God condescended enough to take on human form is, I don't know, that's amazing to me. I I love, of course, the death of Christ, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension, but I think, especially in seasons like this, it's good just to take some time, just to think, Emmanuel, God with us. No other God... That people believe in ever did anything like that. I may have said this before, but I remember a number of years ago I was walking through a downtown area and a bunch of downtown churches, you know, the old established really big churches and stuff, and I saw out in front a bunch of stepping stones on it, and it had the names of Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus. All these like in the same thing. And I just wanted to go right on that stone. I wouldn't have done it, wouldn't have faced it, but I wanted to go right on the stone and say that's the only one that became man and died for us and then rose out of the grave. You can't say that about any of those other ones. So I don't know about you, but it's just something in this season to be able to take some time and really ponder that, that God condescended enough to become flesh. He revealed himself throughout the Old Testament, but we still needed that revelation of him coming in the flesh taking on human form, being born of a lowly servant girl who was nothing. That's how humble he came. We know the story in the manger, all that. We know that. The manger is a feeding trough, if you didn't know that. We think of it like a little crib, but it's actually a feeding trough. Isn't that amazing? He's born in a town called Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and they put him in a feeding trough. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't he later say, come eat my flesh, drink my blood? He says, I'm the bread of life, right? This is who he is. So I want to take a look at the story, just keeping that in mind. But really this morning, I want to take a look at what it means to get a word from God and hold on to it in the proper way. And I think we have this revealed in Mary. So let's take a look at this. Luke chapter 1. We're all familiar with the passage. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here this morning. Got to make it legal, right? Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says this, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village of Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Everybody say great favor. favor. How many of you want great favor? Yeah, I do. Do you know you can grow in it? It's true. It happened to Jesus. He grew in favor with God and man. You can grow in it. We're going to talk about how you do that. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. Come on, that's a good word right there. Think about this for a moment, though. It's easy for us to read this story, to hear this story, and kind of just let it go. We're so used to hearing it. But to her, think about it. Try to put yourself in her shoes for a moment. The angel Gabriel, the one that stands next to God, comes and tells her that she's going to conceive the Christ child. Now, she knows of this. Being a Hebrew, she knows of this. She knows the promised Messiah, But all of this being downloaded, just in an instant, dropped on her and said, it's going to happen through you. Now, put yourself in that position just for a moment. Try to look at it from the perspective of what, don't take what you know now, look at it from her perspective and go, okay, I'm supposed to bring the Messiah into the world. I would think that's a pretty big promise, wouldn't you? A pretty big deal. Now, I know that that's not going to happen again, so nobody in here is going to get the word that you're going to birth the Messiah, okay? We know that's happened. There's, there's one. We only need the one, right? But think, think about this for a moment. Put this into personal application. Have any of you ever gotten a word from God that you feel like it's absolutely overwhelming and unbelievable? Anybody? I want to suggest to you this morning, you need one. You really need one. You need a word in your life that seems impossible. Because if it seems possible, that means you can do it under your own power, and the entire story of the gospel is this. You can do nothing. Only God can. We need words like that in our life that say, I have no capability. My talent's not enough. My skill's not enough. My knowledge is not enough. My physical capability is not enough. We need words in our life that take us to a, like unbelievable place that require us to come back to it and say, God, I need you to show up in this thing. I need you to show up in this thing. Now, again, I try to put myself in Mary's position. I know, weird, being a man. I get it. But just with the promise itself, to think that I am going to be key in seeing everything move from an old covenant to a new covenant. I'm standing at a crux. I'm standing at a point right here where everything changes. To have a word like that and say, that's pretty heavy. What does that look like? But I think there's something to be learned from the person of Mary here. Favor with God, first of all, is a pretty big deal. You know God loves everyone, right? But not everybody has the same favor. Now, I don't know why he comes and says, you have great favor. I don't know why, other than to say this. She must have had some kind of belief, some kind of solid understanding about who God was and what he was doing, because it was easy for her to believe this. It was difficult, and she was bewildered and thought, what is this going to mean? But at the end, she comes back and says, let it be done to me. Not everyone carries that kind of favor, but I want to carry that kind of favor. How do you carry that kind of favor? you got to ask the question. I think it starts with the little things. How many have had little promises from God? How are you stewarding that? If you want to grow in favor, then steward the word, steward the little word that you've got. Hold on to that. Don't let go of that. That's how we grow in favor. That's how we, when people see us and say, you got a word from God, you stewarded that. You held on to it. You prayed through it. You stayed with it until you saw it come to pass. Don't you, th- don't you know that people want to be around you when that happens in your life, right? Come on, do I have anybody in the room with me this morning? You know what I'm talking about. You steward it, it happens, and then people look at you and go, man, I want to be around someone like that. I want to be around someone where their dreams come true. I want to be around someone. Yeah, it's been hijacked here in Orlando. When you wish upon a star, right? Makes no difference who you are, right? It's been hijacked. You're supposed to have a dream, but it's not about wishing on a star. It's about believing in the morning star. If he says it, then he's going to bring it to pass. And I'm I'm just saying this morning, we've got to start with the little ones, the ones that we look at and go, you know, I may be able to make that happen in my own talent, my own strength. I may be able to make that happen. We may look at that and go, that's, that's small. I may be able to make that one happen right there. You still can't, only God can do it. But at least there's something there you feel like you can hold on to. But for us to take those things, hold on to them and say, I'm not letting go. I've got a promise, I'm not gonna let go of the promise. There's something that comes along with this, though. I mean, again, putting yourselves in the shoes of Mary for a moment. Angel comes, says you're going to deliver. Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Even though you're not going to be with a man, you're still going to become pregnant. Now think about this. This kind of favor sometimes brings pain with it. Think about it for a moment. You want that kind of favor? I do. But recognize that sometimes pain comes with that. Think about this for a moment. She's engaged to Joseph. Typically, the engagement period was about a year. The point of it being about a year is to make sure that everything was cool, that nothing shady was going on. And in that period, to make sure she wasn't pregnant. In that period, she gets pregnant. Yikes. High favor, high pain. I can't imagine what she had to go through. Being ostracized, being outcast, being pushed aside, being questioned. I mean, come on, really? I mean, we know the story, but there was no story when they had that story. There was no Jesus. There was no immaculate conception at that point. So everybody's got to be looking at her like, kill you. We're going to stone you. That was the custom. And to think she's carrying the Christ child inside of her and has to deal with that. She had to have been holding on to something greater than what she could see in the natural. This is the kind of promise I'm talking about where you hold on to something greater than what you see in the natural. It takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of strength, internal fortitude to be able to get something from God that has that kind of decree in it and be able to hold on to it even though everything around you is saying the opposite and coming against it. Even wanting to kill you. Wow. Verse 34, let's read that one. Mary said, How could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Fair question, right? (laughs) It's a fair question. (laughs) I mean, logic would say, Fair question. How could this happen? I'm still a virgin. And Gabriel answered and says, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. I love that. Cloud of glory. For me, I read that and I go, that had to be so encouraging right there that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. In other words, his shadow is so great, I can't be seen anymore. And if I really hold on to this promise, what people are gonna see is the glory of God. Because what overshadows you is what people will see. If what overshadows you doesn't let people see your shadow. Hello? It's so much greater than you. It's like when we let Holy Spirit overshadow us, people see that, regardless of what's going on around us. That's a powerful word. Mighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God, there's an absolute need in our lives to hear a word of god and hold on to it i think heaven is really looking for somebody to simply agree with something that's impossible that it comes from heaven now why am i saying all this i mean we're talking about promises we're talking about big things from god why well part of it is because this is what he's designed this is the season that we're celebrating we need to enter into that i know none of us is married but we need to enter into that and say god what do you have for me that is going to change the world do you even think like that do you even have that kind of thought inside your head that you might be able to carry something that could change the world it's hard isn't it It's so hard because we get our eyes caught in looking up at other people, looking around at other people, and going, they're really good at that, they're really good at that, I could never be really good at that. Well, good, because that may not be the thing he's asking you to be really good at. Look around the room for a moment, look at faces, just look. Everybody, look, make it really awkward, stare at your neighbor. Do you see anybody in here who looks the same? God created you so unique. Everything about you, listen, let me put a real challenge to it. Even the dysfunction you went through in your early life getting to where you are now, however great or small that is, that's, that's part of not God's intention to hurt you, but God's part of taking that, using it, and turning it into something else. Right? That's what it's about. I want to press the issue this morning because I want us to come through the season coming into the first of the year, not having New Year's resolutions about what we're going to do in our own power, but having a New Year revelation where we look at it and go, God, you're saying something to me that is way greater than I can handle on my own. But I want to have the attitude of Mary that just simply says, I don't understand it, but let it be done to me. When the angel, the same angel went to Zechariah, he goes, I don't understand it. Fair, Fair statement, right? He says, I don't understand it, so prove it. Mary says, I don't understand it, but let it happen. I love that. I love that when she says, may it be done unto me according to your word. May it be done unto me according to your word. Inside of that carries this, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm willing to yield to it enough to let it happen. How often do we do that? How often do we get those words, hold on to those words, and say, I don't understand it? How many in here would say it's fair to give God some credit for knowing some things that we don't? (laughs) We're challenged. We're challenged with this thing called intellect. I think it gets us in trouble. Don't get me wrong. God's given us intellect. don't, Don't misunderstand me here. But I think sometimes we let that be the thing that drives us we got those that want to use the intellect to drive us and we got those that want to use the feelings to drive us. All of them are God-given and have a purpose, but at some point you got to shut that down and stop and look at him and say, let it be done to me according to your word. That either doesn't feel good, but I do it anyway, or it doesn't make sense, but I'll do it anyway. Personally for me, I mean in the church, this is, this is part of why I do this. I don't do this so we can have meetings every week. I could roll out of bed and preach. That's not what drives me. What drives me is seeing people come into a revelation of who they are, being transformed in the presence of God, and then getting out there and doing it. I actually, honestly, I see myself as someone that wants to come alongside all of you and give you a nice swift kick in your backside and say, do you know what you have in you? Do you realize that? When we were running our school, our Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry, the first day students came in, we would sit and try to get them oriented to what was going to happen. But there was one rule that we always laid out on the first day of school. Whatever we ask you to do in this, whatever you're stepping into, we're requiring you to fail three times. We require you to fail three times. Because if you don't fail, you're not trying How many of us want to avoid failure so much that we never try it? Yeah, I know that feeling. Boy, do I know that feeling. Oh my. That's the feeling though. That's the intellect. That's the thing that gets in the way. I'm just simply saying this morning, let's grab something that's big, something that's like, you can change the world. I really do believe that. All of heaven is waiting for someone to operate like a Mary. I think that's in part why we have the story so we can say, hey, a normal human being did this. A normal human being did this. This lowly girl, she said yes to God, believed what heaven was saying, and then everything was changed through her. What would that look like for you? Maybe take this season, if you've got any kind of downtime, just to lay on your bed at night before you go to bed and start asking God, drop things in my head at night. I want dreams of things. I want you to drop little gifts around in my head so when I wake up in the morning and my brain kicks in, I have to trip over those things. That they're so present inside of me that I don't see them as a dream world anymore. I see them as something that's a reality. Church, are you with me? I want to see the world change, but it is not, oh boy, here we go. I'm going to run some people off. It is not going to be changed by me standing on this platform and you sitting in those seats. It will never happen. We've got too much Greek influence in our, in our church culture. We've got way too much Greek influence in our church culture. It's all about logic, logic, logic. Sit there. I'm asking you to join with us to discover what your calling is, what your destiny is. Get around a group of people and say, I'm going to commit to it. Even though it's in- uncomfortable and it's difficult, I'll make room for it in my life so we can move forward and see this thing happen. I'm literally asking you to do that. When we get into the new year and we launch these small groups, these aren't out of like convenience to try to create community. I am not interested in that. Community is an outflow of commitment. So when we get into these things, that's part of what we're doing. We're getting into them to find out my destiny, to help you into your destiny. And the community is a natural fruit of that. How many of you know that when you get around people and you start sharing your life and you kind of know what's going on in them and they know what's going on in you, there's a connection that's built in that, right? There's a care, there's a concern, a level that builds inside of you that says, man, I'm really, I'm really getting attached to this thing called you. <laughs> I'm liking this. I'm liking, I like what comes out of you. I like the way you spur me on. I like the way you ask me questions that make me think. Anybody have friends like that that just know how to ask really, really good questions? Yeah, Yeah. my wife's one of those. She knows how to ask really good questions. I'll say something and she'll ask a question. I'm like, I'll get back to you. We need people like that in our lives. We need to find the thing that seems impossible for us to walk in it, for us to say, yes, God, I'll do it regardless of what it feels like. I think the angel says to Mary, Don't be afraid, right? I mean, I would be afraid. It's like he read her mail and said, Look, chill out. Don't let fear grip you. Don't let fear get a hold of you. But I think that fear is what usually keeps us from moving in this direction in the first place. You know, for the last year or so, we've been talking about this as a leadership team. What does it mean to find your dream, your design? What is your, your desire? In life. And as we've been going through this, some of our leaders, I know I was listening to some of them writing things down about their desires and their dreams, and I could see people trying to put it into the context of the church. Because we have a dualistic thinking. Well, this has to be about ministry and this, and this is my life over here. Can we say no to that? Can we say no to this sacred secular split that we've created in the church? It's, we don't need that. We don't need that anymore. It's all part of it. And so I would, we're talking about it, and we're like people writing things down on what their desires, what their dreams are. And, and it's like it's trying to funnel it and make it look like something that the church does. And I'm like, no, don't change that. Keep it the way it is. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to have more impact keeping that outside the church. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to make it fit. You do you. You fly your freak flag. You be who you are, who you're supposed to be. <laughs> We need a mind shift, though. We need a change in the way we think about this stuff, that we, we stop thinking this dualistic, that uh, God's calling me into ministry. Good, that does not mean you have to work in a church. If you're getting a word that says God's calling you into ministry, let me just say, it doesn't necessarily look like you're in the church, because how many people in here are ministers of the gospel? Every hand. I'm going to ask again. Get audience participation. How many people in here are ministers of the gospel? Put both hands up. You, everybody in this room is. But we think that somehow if God's put a call on my life, that i got to change, get out of this, i got to start a ministry, 501c3, whatever, got to start this thing, put a name on it, and start raising support for it. How about you stay where you are? Stay where you are. Listen, if God had not called me to do this right here, I would not be doing this. I could make a lot more money doing something somewhere else, okay? Don't try to get into ministry just because it's a Western approach. Your ministry is where you are. God I'm really I hope I'm helping this morning your ministry is where you are I've offended people by saying this before but it's absolutely true don't bring your friends here to church thinking that I'm going to do something that's going to change their life that is not my job that is yours they're your friend not mine you see the abdication in that right you see it I'm going to okay come to church with me I'll just sit there God get them get them get them Oh, yeah, that's a good word. You need that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You hear what I'm saying, right? That's that dualistic split that doesn't realize that I'm the person in their sphere of influence. I'm the one that has been deposited with all the goods of the kingdom, and I can give that out. All I have to do is shift my awareness a little bit. What if I set my mind on those things and started asking God, God, what do they need to get from me? What do they need to get from me? I don't know this, but when I get into... I don't know this for sure about what Mary was thinking, but I'm not going to read it. You guys can read it later. It's beginning in verse 48. It's called the Magnificat. It's Mary's song. And when you read that, it sounds like arrogance. It sounds like all the world will see what comes from me and how I am favored and blessed. It sounds like that when you read it, but I don't think that's what it is because arrogance is when you're trying to prove yourself to somebody. But she knew who she was and her identity, and she didn't have to apologize for it. What if we did that? What if we stopped apologizing for what God has put inside of us? Now, I know this in the church because I, I just, I've seen it my whole life. I've been in the church, and I see this. It always, I can always tell when somebody doesn't know who they are when they come and introduce themselves to me and give me their spiritual resume. I've done this, and I was with this, and I did this ministry, and la, 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 la. I'm like, you don't know who you are, do you? Because if you knew who you were, you wouldn't have to say a word of that. If you knew who you really were, you would just give off who you are. Hello? Mary got that. The word comes to her. She owns it. She said, I don't get this thing, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to own it. And then later on, she writes that. She's drawing from the Psalms. She knew the word of God. She's drawing from the Psalms and she's saying, the whole world's going to look at me and go, she's blessed. But that's not arrogance, that's identity. A little bit later on, wait, let me say this, I'm going to add this into it, little bunny trail here sometimes we, we, I don't know what it is, this thing in the church where we think that once we get a hold of something and we know that God is speaking to us and we start walking in it and our identity starts to shine, we're just doing what God has called us to do. We're operating in who we are. We're not striving. We're not fighting. We're not trying to go into, you know, I got to get this place up here because that I'm higher than this person. When we stop doing all that stuff and own who we are, we actually communicate to the demonic realm, the manifold wisdom of God. First Peter four says that it says, if you've been, if you've received a gift, minister it as the very oracles of God wow. for in it, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed. Ephesians three talks about it saying that in the saints, the manifold wisdom of God would be revealed to the entire demonic realm. Wow. You're designed to be put on display. Wow. Stop living in fear. God hides you in him. We are hidden with Christ in God, Paul says. We are hidden with Christ in God. God doesn't hide you from view. He hides you from touch. Because the word says the evil one cannot touch them. He doesn't hide you from view as in he tucks you in a corner somewhere so you can't be seen. He puts you on display and he says to the demonic realm, look at that. You can't touch it, but look at that. Look how wonderful that is. Look at how you can see me manifested in that. Come on, is this helping this morning? Why do you need a dream? For that reason. You start pursuing it. You start walking in it. You start to recognize that all the world around you gets to see it, and the demonic realm has to look at it. <laughs> Rub their face in it. <laughs> Psalm 23, right? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will feel no evil, right? He, he sets a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Get on load of that picture for a minute. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and God says, picnic. <laughs> Let's lay it out, this fine spread here. It's got nice tablecloths, fine silver, china. And he's bringing out the best of the food and he sets you down right there and he eats with you and he goes, look, they gotta watch this. the essence of the picture there is this helping this morning because he hides you from touch he doesn't hide you from view. he wants the world to see you yeah i'm praying i really am i'm praying that we all get this ridiculously awesome word from god this season ridiculously awesome off the charts this is crazy like i'm gonna change the world kind of dream what would it look like so what drives me what would it look like You hold on to the word like this. I'm gonna end with this right here. You hold on to the word like Mary. Read the story, ponder it. Even when Mary gave birth to Jesus and the shepherds came, you know the story. The shepherds came, they see, and they go, let's go tell everybody about this. And it says of Mary, she pondered these things in her heart. Because even though the child was born and they named him Jesus, she still is wondering, how is this gonna happen? he's not born as a king. He's born in a stable. How is this going to, she's pondering these things in her heart. See, it's one thing to have a word from God where you put a demand on it. And it's another thing to have a word from God that you ponder. Because there are places and times where you get a word from God and you put a demand on it. Right? You understand that, right? God, you promised. God, you promised. There are other things. I think this is the the heart of the story here. There are other things that when we take the promise of God and we hold it in our heart and just meditate on it, it changes us so we can fulfill it. Does that make sense? It changes us. The word came to Mary. She held on to it. It says, let it be done to me. I don't know how long it took her to realize where she was finally pregnant. I don't know how long it took. But there had to be some level of waiting and wondering what was happening. But inside of that, I believe the pondering, the meditating, the holding on to it is where it actually changes us so we're able to walk in it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Get the word. Get the word. There are places where you put a demand on it. We can see that in scripture. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing. But you don't hold God hostage to it. Because when we hold God hostage to those kinds of words, we don't allow ourselves to be changed in order to see it come to pass. That's what I'm trying to say. Ponder it. Hold on to it. I want to pray over you this morning. I actually want to pray this over you. I want to pray Mary's song over you, okay? And I want you to listen to it because it sounds like it's arrogant. But I want you to listen to it so it can kind of prep your heart to go. When I actually find what it is and I walk in my identity, I will be able to praise God like this. Close your eyes for a minute. Just want you to listen to this. Mary sing this song. "My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit burst with joy over my life-giving God. For He set His tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. Mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. Powerful princes, he tears from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and self-satisfied he will send away empty because he can never forget to show mercy. He has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Does that sound good? I'm praying over that over you guys because I have a vision for something that happens when we get into the new year. What's it going to look like when people start getting connected, start finding their dream and their destiny, they start walking in it. People walking together, saying, I'm standing with you in this one. I need that. Anybody else need that? Yes. We're not designed to do it on our own. We're, ne- we're never designed to do it on our own. And it's a hard thing. If you're wired anything like me, sometimes it's hard. It's a hard thing to be around people. I like people. I get energized by people. But it's a hard t- sometimes it's hard for me to be able to open up to that extent. But in doing so, it's like, hey, we see the lies get torn down. We see the promises come up. We have people backing us up to walk in those things. We have people that can look at us and know when we're believing a lie because they can see what we're doing and they can grab us and say, stop being stupid. Right? Everybody stand up here. Now I'm going to pray this over you. Just stand there. (laughs) Yeah. I just heard this. God's always obligated to keep his promises, but he's not, he's not. Always obligated to keep his promises. He's not obligated to keep your potential. He's obligated to keep his promises. He's not obligated to keep your potential. So, Father, I'm praying for all of us right now, God, that we would have these kinds of dreams, these revelations, these visits from you. Lord, come, Holy Spirit, speak to everybody in this room over this Christmas season about what it looks like to carry a promise, what it looks like to carry a promise that could change the world. Lord, I pray you'd take us beyond even our talents. Take us beyond our talents. Move us into a place where we are so surprised that we see things that are impossible. It's impossible just so we can simply say, Lord, let it be done according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. All right, Lord, bless you guys and Merry Christmas. We'll see you Christmas Eve. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.